Hello and welcome to Taxpayer Talk for the very latest series of MPs in Depth. I'm Oliver Bryan, the Investigations Coordinator at the Taxpayers Union, and I'm delighted to say that I'm here with the newly elected Todd Stevenson MP. Welcome, Todd. Hi, Oliver, and uh, thank you for having me. No, not at all, and congratulations on your win. You were fourth on the list for ACT, so that's a pretty high position, and obviously you've been uh, rewarded by the people, and uh, here you are in Parliament. Yeah, no, we are very excited, very pleased with ACT's result. You know, the team did a great job um, uh, campaigning, and obviously, yeah, ACT's best ever result, getting uh, 11 uh, MPs and obviously securing a second electorate seat. So Absolutely. So you uh, grew up in uh, Southland. You spent uh, your formative years in Lumsden and Invercargill. You studied law at Otago. What, what were some of the formative experience that sort of led you to this point? Yes, so I, I was born in Lumsden, actually never lived in Lumsden, um, but yeah, then were, lived in actually various uh, communities across Southland. So uh, my dad was a school teacher, um, and so he was actually a school principal in a number of uh, rural communities. So um, uh, not long after I was born, um, my parents were living in Tiano at the time, and not long after we then moved actually to Mimahau, which is out kind of near Gore. Um, and then uh, we're there for a number of years, and then across to Isla Bank, which is another rural community across the other part of um, side of Southland. Uh, a few years in Bluff, and then for my high school, um, we moved to Invercargill. So I actually uh, went to James Hargest um, uh, in Invercargill um, before going on to Otago University. So yeah, I was kind of lucky enough to grow up in, um, we're not farmers, yeah, but yeah. we grew up in rural communities. So um, got what? to know a lot of great um, uh, farming families. Um, yeah, and obviously, yeah, moved around a bit. Um, so that, that I have is, lots of friends, I that suppose. That is proper Southland, that is. That's some decent pedigree you've got there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So it was, yeah, obviously, it was a great experience, though. I mean, as you I'll hopefully say. you've uh, got to go around New Zealand a bit since oh, uh, yes. you've been here. But, um, you know, the rural people are very friendly and inviting. And, um, you know, we've still got a number of friends that um, we have in Southland from those uh, years of growing up down there. Absolutely, absolutely. And so how did, how did you go from law to pharmaceuticals? <laughs> how did well, that happen? <laughs> yeah, I was, well, basically, working, I was obviously did a law degree at Otago. Uh, that's actually when I first kind of joined ACT, so way back mm. in, in 1995. I actually joined the Association of Consumers and Taxpayers, um, which is a bit, bit like the Taxpayers Union, I suppose <laughs> you might say, of its time. But um, the, obviously, yeah, the Association of Consumers and Taxpayers uh, morphed into ACT, so it formed the political party. Uh, so I got very heavily involved um, in the 1996 election. So that's the first time ACT got into Parliament. Uh, did a number of um, elections after that um, on the kind of campaign side, you would say. Uh, did actually work for the party after leaving university and ended up um, uh, doing a few other roles, but ended up in kind of public relations and government affairs uh, working for Catherine Isaac, who was the then party president. Um, and so got a real experience, obviously, uh, helping her run uh, the political party, um, but then also learnt more about the kind of corporate world and um, mm -hmm. corporate communications mm -hmm. and government relations and yeah, public yeah. affairs, and we had a number of, of clients. Um, so I did that for, for, yeah, for a period before I moved to Australia, um, and that's really how I ended up in pharmaceuticals. Wow. 
blimey. And just sticking with the uh, the uh, journey into act, because I we we'll go down the uh, pharmaceutical route. But you brought mm. it up. That's quite quite young to be getting involved in politics. How how come? Why why act? Were you interested in politics before, or is it act that got you? Yeah, interested? well, obviously, I mean, when I was kind of growing up and at high school, we kind of had the fourth Labour government, mm. and that was a um, you know a really transformation transform, transformative time in New Zealand, right? The whole certainly exciting regulation yeah. of the economy, and you had you know a group of. Uh, amazing people, you know, Roger Douglas, mm. Richard Preble, bunches of others, um, really turning New Zealand around, right? And, um, you know, again, you'll know this, but, you know, you basically had um, Thatcherism, Reagan, you know, oh, Reaganomics, yes. and then Rogernomics, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, not many people have a, a kind of uh, economic descriptor <laughs> used as their no. name, do they? So I kind of followed that. Obviously, I was at high school, and then... Um, you know, there was the whole period, Roger leaving the Labour Party and others as well, um, obviously wrote his mm. book. And so mm. that's when I kind of started to read a bit more about um, what he was proposing as the yeah, yeah. next wave of reform and the things that he hadn't got to do. Uh, so that's kind of, yeah, where I first got interested in ACT. Um, and then I'm, I kind of understood that I'm a classical liberal, right? And I kind of worked <laughs> that out, at, you know, into my university years. And so... That's what attracted me to act. Yeah, yeah. The way it wanted to tackle things differently, really redefine the relationship between individuals and the state, Mm. um, smaller government, you know, personal freedom. um, And that, yeah, that's where I kind of. And that's absolutely the guiding philosophy for you then, always has been. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I am, I would say, I am a classical liberal. So, yeah, that's why the party really does Mm. suit me because, you know, we're trying to promote freedom. And as I said, you know, smaller government, redefining individuals' relationship with the state, and I suppose just letting people get on with their lives, and whether that's, you know, as private individuals or business, just, you know, get on and get things done. What, what was it like in the early years then? Because you've been w- w- with Act, you know, as you say, virtually from the start and helping work for the party, build it up. What was it like in those early years? Oh, it was very exciting, right? Um, you know, I can remember being in the... I was in Dunedin, um, so not really um, a hotbed of centre-right support, <laughs> no. you would say, but we had a great not, time. Not yet, not no, yet. No, not yet. <laughs> um, but we had a great time on the campaign down there. You, I mean, you get to meet lots of interesting people. You know, the party was obviously, had gone from nothing to actually breaking into parliament. You know, there were lots of opportunities mm. too, if you were yeah, yeah. enthusiastic and a campaigner, like I got to go on um, bus tours actually started <laughs> way back in those early formative years. You know, Richard Preble was big on a bus tour as well. So I remember, you know, helping out on the we're, we're, bus we're, tour. We're more into debt clocks, but yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. Um, but as you know, you know, ACT still does bus tours yeah, yeah, in yeah. the last election. So, you know, it was a very exciting time. And then obviously you had the overlay of MMP, the first MMP election. And Absolutely, this whole idea yeah. of being able to actually get, um, I suppose, parties with a very specific focus um, into Parliament. So, yeah, I mean, ACT's been through a lot of kind of change and iterations, mm. um, you know, had some dark times. Yes. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's great to now be back with a with a really core, you know, core team and, yeah, you know, yeah. and a core supporter base. Absolutely. And certainly going forward, like you say, with your best result, you're, you're filled with optimism, I'm sure, for the future uh, of the party in Parliament. Yeah, I think, and obviously we're going to be moving into government, which is going to be a totally different experience for mm. ACT. And again, um, traditionally, you know, while we have been a support party in in a minor way in some other mm. coalition governments, this will be the first time I think we're going to play a significant role in government. 
um, have people, you know, around the cabinet table. So that'll take a bit of a yeah, transition yeah. for the for the party, but I think it's an exciting opportunity. You know, yeah. we're going to have to think and do some things differently, but um, I think that's something everyone's looking forward to that challenge and then coming out the other side. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and you've... You, no one could doubt your dedication to act. You've got a fairly illustrious career behind you, which we'll go into in a moment. But is this what contributed to you being so high on the list for a first time? If I may be so impertinent as to cast aspersions on that. Look, I think you'd have to ask the people that <laughs> rank the list. I mean, I was. I thought it was worth a shot. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's the honest truth. I mean, I was very um, delighted to get course. to get that ranking. I mean, I think in your see this with the, the people that ACT is bringing into Parliament. You know, we do actually have a diverse range of backgrounds, you mm. know, but people from farming, you know, small business, um, uh, you know, corporate sector like myself. Um, so I think we're trying to bring in people with different backgrounds mm. and skill sets so that, you know, Absolutely. I think my experience in the corporate world, I'm sure contributed. And that's, a, you know, that's what I'm going to leverage here in, Absolutely. in Parliament. Absolutely. What was it like then making the move over to Australia? Because you've been with uh, Vertex Pharmaceuticals for 17 years, is it? No, I knew Vertex for a, a very short period. Um, a few, I started like earlier this year, so in March. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was actually with, um, before that, with Janssen for nine years. So mm. It's part of Johnson & Johnson, so the yeah, big yeah. American healthcare company, the pharmaceutical part of that. Um, and then prior to that, for, for Roche for a period. Look, Australia, you know, was very good to me. It was... Mm. Um, I was able to have a great corporate career there and actually get into a, a quite a specific area around um, pharmaceutical kind of government relations, media relations, yeah, public yeah, policy, yeah. patient engagement. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed my, my time in Australia. Uh, made, again, made a lot of great friends and colleagues there. Uh, and I learned a whole lot. Um, you know, yeah, a, yeah. a massive company like Johnson and Johnson I mean it's again it's actually it's a very very old company um, continues to be um, you know one of the only AAA rated companies in the world but very very complex mm. um, and so again you learn um, you know about how to deliver projects and get outcomes while having many stakeholders to manage yeah yeah absolutely and you, you, your most recent I think you mentioned patient uh, engagement there you were the director of that in your most recent role is that right yes and the last two roles uh, yeah obviously yeah. with vertex and what, then also it um, what, what, what was what was involved in that then so that's really a new new and exciting field that um, I think you know healthcare companies um, are investing in and uh, traditionally, Obviously, a, you know, a pharmaceutical medicines company obviously always is concerned about the patient, and that's why mm. they're developing medicines and you know have clinical trials, etc. You know, I think if you looked back a decade or a bit longer ago, the healthcare professional was kind of the most important customer or yeah, yeah. person that the company would tend to deal with. But companies have the world has changed, right? Consumers mm. have more information; they want to find out more. And companies have realised they want to have a bit more of a continuing relationship with the patient communities they serve. And so that's where really these patient engagement roles come in. And really you're working with the patients and the patient communities that, that your company looks after and having interactions and really understanding what it might be like to live with a disease yeah, yeah. Um, in the long, particularly those you know chronic illnesses that go on for a long time and really bring those insights back into the company and work out, you know, are we, is our treatment might be meeting their needs, but are there other things also yeah, we yeah. can be doing to support them getting a better health outcome? So you saw both sides, basically. You understand the 
all aspects yeah, of the industry. Yeah, I mean, I've been really, I was really lucky in my career um, entirely in pharmaceuticals. I was obviously had an external facing role. So whether it was with government or the media yeah, or yeah. patient groups, um, I actually got to see the difference that, you know, a medical intervention can make in a person's life. And not everyone in the company yeah, is lucky yeah. enough to do that because you might be in roles where you don't actually get to meet, get patients, but meet patients. But um, yeah, I mean, I've seen actually medicines, you know, transform a person's life mm. from, you know, um, them being very, very sick to actually being able to return to work or spend time with their family, walk their, you know, daughter down the aisle for the wedding, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So it's amazing. Well, clearly you're fairly passionate about it and you know an awful lot. And, and how, how do you see the relationship between the pharmaceutical industry and the incoming government, whatever the makeup of it uh, looks like? How do you see that evolving? Well, I, I think just generally speaking, I think that this incoming government is going to be wanting to engage with the business community, whatever sector mm. they're in, uh, more deeply and and actually get insights and help. I think that the last government, there was many issues with the last government, <laughs> but one of it is the way it, it treated uh, sectors and stakeholders, and I don't think it actually uh, properly engaged. And, and look, most people want to help you. I think that's the other thing, you know, we shouldn't feel just because we're sitting in this building here in Wellington like we're under siege. I mean, mm. most people in the business community actually do want to help and they want to provide ideas and solutions. And so, you know, whether it's the pharmaceutical sector or the agriculture sector or the building sector, I think that, you know, there's a real opportunity for this new government to engage with um, the business community and actually seek their help and ideas. And mm. let's actually use that to the betterment of New Zealand. Well, that's music to my ears, at least. Um, but um, during the campaign, you called for the independent review of uh, Farback. And what, what specific changes do, do does ACT envision or do you envision? Yeah, obviously, Farmac had a review a few years ago, mm. um, and there was a number of recommendations. Mm. A lot of those haven't been yep. acted on. Uh, and again, you know, obviously, we'll see with the incoming government their specifics on Farmac, but I would make a few comments. I've, the Farmac model hasn't, evolved mm. basically since it was established and you know i touched on earlier that um community and patients expectations have changed and whether that's towards a pharmaceutical company or a funder mm. they actually have different expectations now so you know i think broadly with pharmac there's three areas that need to be tackled one is funding and again um we're well behind comparable countries in how much we fund per capita in pharmaceuticals that's going to be a difficult challenge in this, you know, current economic situation, but that's one area. Uh, the processes and the way Pharmac operates, again, hasn't evolved. And, you know, other jurisdictions like the UK, Canada, their health technology assessment systems, which is the way basically these funders assess medicines and value, have evolved immensely in the kind of processes. Pharmac mm. really hasn't. And then thirdly, the culture of Pharmac, I think there's a real issue there. And again, you know, I talked about sometimes government might feel under siege. You know, Pharmac actually has to change the way it engages and collaborates with its stakeholders. And mm. I think there's a lot that can be done there. Absolutely. Um, so Australia was in many ways the making of your career. And we certainly uh, had uh, our attempt at a high profile campaign to highlight just how many Kiwis are attracted mm. to Australia. How are you going to solve it? Well, we have to tackle our standard of living here, okay? And that's the basic 
yeah, one of the basic things that this incoming government has to do. So, you know, obviously tackling wasteful government <laughs> spending, getting the public service under control, and I could talk all oh, day about so public service. But, <laughs> but actually, how do we make this country more productive, uh, increase our standard of living, and then, uh, you know, attract and retain people here? Mm. Because, yeah, it's very easy. You get on a, you know, it's a three-hour flight across the Tasman and you can increase your standard of living immensely. Mm. Um, so we need to, yeah, we need to make uh, New Zealand more attractive. We need to kind of also be realistic. Like New Zealand isn't that unique in the world that we can just sit around and hope people come here or invest here. We actually have to make the case to as to why people should invest their capital here and come here. And that a lot of that is, you know, we have to reduce red tape and regulation, mm. tax, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we're not, having traveled the world a bit and i've been lucky to do that both yeah, in my yeah. private and corporate capacity you know there are other countries that um are as beautiful maybe not in a different ways but um you know have do have um uh, you know very strong um work ethics education systems and so they're the they're the countries we're competing against and mm. we've just got to make a real um conscious effort to yeah, I, c- I can't imagine all of this was dormant in you during your career. Were you active in politics while you were over in Oz, or? Uh, I not not really. I mean, my, I was obviously in my corporate role. I had mm. to interact. I went to Canberra all the time and some of the state governments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did run a campaign when I actually first um, went to was involved in helping run a campaign when I first went to Australia in in Victoria. Mm. Um, but no, I never joined a political party in Australia. I, I was always a member of ACT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, the devotion comes out. So, how how's it been? You you've been in Parliament now for over a month. Uh, you're settled. Um, I don't know. Get sure getting settled, there. Getting there. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I've been using the time um, with my colleagues. We've been, you know, um, to get around and follow up, kind of people mm. from the campaign that stakeholders we couldn't didn't have the time to engage with during the campaign. So that's been really good. Uh, getting to obviously learn a bit more about um, Parliament and how it's going to operate, and starting to think about you know what are the things we want to achieve in the next three years. Well, I was, I was that that was going to be my next one. We, we can park Act to to one side, but what, what are your um, objectives as an MP? Look, I think I I broadly aligns with the Act agenda. I mean, I want to continue to kind mm. of promote freedom and personal responsibility, and you know, doing you know making sure that that lens is always used on any of the kind of legislation and, and, and issues that are going to come up. I do want to make sure that we think about um, the public service and, you know, how is it, how should it um, operate and how is it going to appropriately deliver um, services to New Zealanders? Because I think... You know, there's been some questions around that in the last mm. few years. Um, and then for me, I just want to, again, be accessible. Again, I think there's lots of stakeholders, and I mentioned this earlier, there's lots of stakeholders I think we can get great ideas from and engage. And, um, you know, I met um, earlier in the week, actually, with a member from a, a patient community uh, in Auckland. And she said, look, it's pretty simple. She said, we just want to be listened to. Mm. We want to be heard and, you know, taken seriously and um, that's something I can do <laughs> well there you go um, and is, is that all are these the reasons you wanted to get into politics 
Because you thought that you could make a difference because of your skill set that you've developed or was it something else? No, I, I think it is. No, it definitely is because I hope to want, you know, make a difference. Um, I, you know, until earlier this year, I hadn't seriously considered going into Parliament. I mean, I've always loved politics and mm. campaigning and kind of being behind the scenes. But this opportunity came up and, you know, David Seymour is, has done amazing things for ACT and, again... You know, I'm sure if you've got a, a view on how he's operated over the last um, three years and then the previous years before that when he was just a sole MP. But, you know, he has actually built a really strong brand and team. And I thought, OK, he's, you know, asking me to consider helping him out. And um, I couldn't think of a reason not to do it. And I could think <laughs> of lots of reasons to do it. Brilliant. So you live in Queenstown. How... Um, how do you balance uh, being all the way up here and all the political uh, responsibilities with your home life? Yeah, so obviously, uh, yeah, it was a wee way from um, Wellington. But <laughs> when my partner, he and I decided we, we'd, you know, he supported me, us moving back here to New Zealand. It's a big, bit of a big change for, for him. But we had built a house in Queenstown a few years mm. ago. A couple of years ago, we finished it, uh, which has been rented out. Um, and we live in a small unit part of it attached to it. So we were like, well, we could move anywhere, obviously in New Zealand when we're moving back, but um, he really liked Queenstown. My family are all still down there, either in Queenstown, yeah, yeah. Tiano, Invercargill. So it kind of, it made sense to us. Yeah. Um, his family are all back in Sydney. So it's, you know, Queenstown to Sydney is actually quite easy to fly. There's lots of flights. Um, so that's why we decided to, to base ourselves there. And look, the, you know, all MPs basically have to commute to Wellington. Um, so I've got a pretty nice commute. <laughs> and and something to go back to, which is beautiful, having been to Queenstown numerous times. And outside of politics, what are your hobbies and interests? Yeah, I mean, I do like the outdoors. Um, again, living now, um, I, I live in Hanley's Farm, which is near kind of Jack's Point. So there's some beautiful walks um, we do there. You can actually walk all the way to Queenstown if you've mm. got the time. So I do like to get outdoors. My dad's a very keen um, fisherman, trout fisherman. So um, sometimes I'll join him on his um, boat uh, over in Tiano. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, uh, we quite like a like night in and watch a bit of uh, <laughs> some kind of streaming service. So, yeah, nothing too exciting. But, um, yeah, and then food. I mean, that's a big passion um, for Alex and I. We do like to kind of try out different um, restaurants and cuisines. So, yeah. Fab. Do you have any aspirations beyond your political role for the future no look i'm i'm totally just focused. focused on this for the for the time being um yeah obviously it's going to be good i'll be able to re- kind of reconnect with my new zealand friends and family mm. in, a, in a way um i haven't been able to do so much being based in australia it's just obviously i Absolutely. still get back a bit but it's just much easier now so that's the other thing is you know it's great i've actually met lots of people who i used to know um, on the campaign trail it's been great to reconnect with people both you know down in Southland or even here in, in Wellington and Auckland. Brilliant okay I think uh, it's time to throw some red meat to uh, Taxpayers Union supporters. What's your least favourite tax and why? Well I mean all income tax <laughs> um, you know. This is very on brand. <laughs> uh, but look uh, I mean I don't have a least favourite tax but I mean New Zealand's tax system is just overly complicated. I mean, again, you know, ACT was founded on flat tax, as you probably know. Um, I, you know, I think it would be great to get there one day. Um, 
when the economic circumstances allow it. Mm. So I think we've just got to make our tax system simpler and having all these different rates, for particularly the higher end, for individuals, companies, trusts. Mm. I mean, that just creates work for accountants and lawyers mm. and doesn't actually um, help us. So, yes. Uh, can you cite the most uh, outrageous government expenditure that you can think of that uh, you saw really got you angry? Perhaps it was one of the ones that we found. I mean, I think some of those um, uh, farewell and welcome parties yeah. by CEOs were pretty um, extraordinary. I mean, even in the corporate sector, people are very cautious about um, spending on events. Um so they think those things through very, very carefully before mm. they make those. So, I mean, they're the ones that kind of jump out at me. But I'm, oh, I mean, the other obvious examples are things like Auckland Light Rail, etc., yeah. where lots of money has been spent and nothing delivered. I mean, you know, that's really concerning. Yeah, we, we, we've had enough to say on that as well. <laughs> um, is there a government program or um, uh, policy that you secretly admire from the last few years? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Secretly admire. No, I mean, not from the la- uh, how far back it was talking. It's a difficult one. I mean, All right, what, which, which ones have you got in mind then? Well, I think I was thinking back around to kind of social investment, mm. which um, obviously Bill English mm. did a lot of work on. Um, I mean, there was some, I know that the, the Labour government kind of repackaged that and did talk about it. Um, but I think that's a huge untapped area. And the reason I say that is New Zealand's quite unique in that all our government data is linked. Mm. And so if you go across to Australia, um, there's huge problems in uh, getting linked government data. Some, some, some of it's to do, obviously, with the federal state system. Uh, and so I think there's a, a huge potential to actually be driving, you know, really well thought out public policy based on that data. And so I think that you know, there were obviously some green shoots around starting mm. to do that, but I think that's something that we should um, pick up on. Brilliant. And finally, when do you think we'll get an agreement? Any minute now. <laughs> Brilliant. Mr. Stevenson, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you.